Our scripture reading today is Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. And our message today is entitled, Jesus and Legion. This is the Lord's word. They came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. For our children out there, we have a little worksheet for you guys to to use. On the back, you'll see a search and find and a place that you can color. On the other side, for the kids who are older and adults too, I guess, are some questions for you to answer as as you listen to the sermon. And as you answer those questions, children... You can ask mom and dad if you answered it correctly and ask your mom and dad questions about the message that was heard today. As we continue to walk with Jesus in his ministry, 
we have seen Jesus encounter many different types of people. He's encountered priests and scribes who are watching him carefully, whether to see that he himself is perhaps a prophet or perhaps someone who is there, there simply to stir up trouble. He's met ordinary people that he's called to be his disciples. Come and follow me. And they drop everything and they follow Jesus. We've met people who were paralyzed, who Jesus has healed. And we've met people who were possessed by the unclean spirit or by a demon who Jesus has healed. And as we go through the narrative of the gospel of Mark, as we watch Jesus do what he does. And as we hear the words that we see, that he says, we get a, a bigger and brighter picture of who Jesus is and why he has come. If someone were to ask you the question right now, who is Jesus? Tell me about Jesus. Tell me his story, how he lived. Tell me about his ministry on the earth and how he loved the people around him. Tell me when he was harsh with people and why he was harsh with people. Tell me how he loved. Tell me how he wept. Tell me why he came to this earth. We as God's people, we adore knowing about Jesus. The more we know about who he is and what he has done, the more we understand Easter, the more we understand his death and his resurrection, the more we understand the heights of his love for you and for me. But let me tell you, when you encounter Jesus, it's not like you encounter a one-dimensional person where you see someone and they sort of just give you and feed you information. Hi, I was born in, in Bethlehem in the year zero information. Hi, I was born in my, my mom and dad are Joseph and Mary information. But when we encounter him in the narratives, we see the richness of who God is and we are in awe. And today in this passage, we see a richness and a depth of Jesus encountering and talking with various people. And we ourselves see Jesus interact not only with Legion, but his disciples, with the people in, in, of Gerasene, of Decapolis. And we see different people reacting to him. And all we can do as God's people is say, who is this Jesus? How would I have reacted? And man, there's a lot to learn about my Savior, right? There's a lot to learn about Jesus. And we see the three dimensions, or even the fourth dimension, if I could say that, of who our Savior is. So here in this passage, we see Jesus finally moving beyond the borders of Jerusalem and Judah. Remember, Jesus came first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. In other words, Jesus was here to fulfill the Old Testament and the Old Testament covenant. The purpose of the Old Testament, the purpose of the Jewish nation, was for them to prepare the way for the Savior himself. 
In fact, we like to say that Jesus himself is the culmination of all of the Old Testament. We can even say that Jesus himself was the only perfect Jewish person who kept the law of God. And Jesus himself coming to this earth, his first prerogative was to share to his Jewish brothers and sisters that he is the Messiah, that he has come to bring life through repentance and through faith, that his kingdom had entered through him, and that all who believed in him would enter into everlasting life. It's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's why Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem. It is why Jesus quotes the Old Testament. It's why Jesus speaks to the Jewish people of the day. But then Jesus does something different. He'll get get back to Jerusalem when he's ready to give his life. But from Jerusalem, he sort of starts going outside. And he enters into the realm of the Gentiles, of those who do not have the promise of God, of those who do not have a temple, of those who the Jews have sort of held at arm's length as being unclean. You see, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were supposed to be a blessing to all the Gentiles. And we know through the Old Testament and the Levitical law that in order to to receive the blessings of the Old Covenant, they first had to become Jewish. They had had a, a ritual they had to go through to become Jewish, and then they could enter at least parts of the temple. But here is Jesus. It's them having the Gentiles come to them. Jesus went to the Gentiles himself. And you could see probably the, the disciples going, where are we going? We're supposed to take over Jerusalem. Where are we going? Why are we going to this countryside, this backwards place where there aren't many Jewish people at all? It's mostly Gentiles. And then Jesus does something miraculous. He does the same thing in the Gerasenes as he did in Jerusalem. There was a man, right? He was demon-possessed. With, a, with someone named Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N, Legion. And this demon said, listen, I know who you are. You are the son of God. You are the son of man. What have you to do with us? Why are you here, son of the most high God? And we see that this, the spiritual warfare is not located simply in Jerusalem, but it's everywhere in the world. And Jesus has this conversation with Legion. And obviously the disciples can hear or else we don't have what we have here, you know, in the Bible. And we see that the demons were simply reiterating what the other demons had already said. That Jesus wants not simply a prophet, but Jesus was the son of God. Jesus was the Messiah. Now, Legion himself is like, 
Don't drive me out. Don't cast me out. The demons themselves, for some reason, enjoyed tormenting people. The demons enjoyed possessing people or or living creatures at the very least. And Legion says to Jesus, don't simply cast us out so we have nowhere to go. But look over there, there's a herd of pigs. Let us go into the pigs. Cast us there into the pigs and let us us live our lives. And, And Jesus says, all right, I'll give you permission. You can go into those 2,000 pigs over there. But little did they know that these 2,000 pigs jumped the cliff and perished. And along with that, the demons had nowhere to go. This is wacky, brothers and sisters. This is crazy stuff that is going on. This is not something that, that, that you and I, if we were with Jesus, would say this is normal life. Something is going on. Now, there were herdsmen who saw everything. And they went back to their towns or cities, and they, they told them everything that had happened. And they came to see. And they saw this man who was possessed by legion, by by thousands, at least 2,000 demons, in his right mind. A miracle. A great miracle. If you were to see that, wouldn't you have said, this man, Jesus, is, is a powerful prophet at the very least perhaps even someone more than that. But what did the people say? They said, please, Jesus, go away. Please, Jesus, go away. Now, the question we have to ask is, why are these people so afraid of what they saw, a a demon-possessed man in their right mind? Why is it when they came, they told Jesus to go away? Wouldn't you have said, Jesus, like in Jerusalem, there are other sick people over here. Come with us. Heal these other sick people. But there's something more that's going on. Remember, Jesus is in Gentile land, in the Gerasenes. We see later on, Jesus charges them to go to the Decapolis, 10 cities, right? It's a nice Greek word. They're they're not in, in Jerusalem. And we remember, right, that the Israelites do not raise pigs, Pigs are unclean animals. These pigs were raised by the Gentile people. Now, if you know anything about raising cattle, raising pigs, which I don't think anyone here does, 
2,000 pigs is a lot of money. 2,000 pigs is a lot of their resources gone. The people were challenged that day, the Gentile nation, the Gentile people. You see a man who's been ca- whose demons been cast out in their right mind, and you see your finances being threatened as 2,000 pigs have died. Who do you say Jesus is? What is important to you, O people, when you encounter God? You know, this this is a a real-life question for all of us, and I'm sure the disciples were were watching and confused as well. The the people who told Jesus to go away were were disobedient and, and confused as well. And later on, we'll see, the, uh, the man who's in his right mind, who formerly was possessed by legion, we'll, we'll see that he himself and his reaction as well. But this question is a, it's a live question, even for us today. You see, Jesus came to heal. But Jesus came to heal us more than physically to heal us to heal us, more than to drive out demons to heal us. For Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. We see the end of the story, thank God, that, 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 that in the end, all of these miracles that God is doing, that Jesus is doing, is simply to solidify to all the people that he is a Messiah. And then in the end, to say that all of this points to a deeper healing and a deeper need of forgiveness. And that this forgiveness has been spoken about in the temple, in the sacrifices. And that you will know that these sacrifices were there to to point to something greater that could actually forgive sin, blood that could actually forgive. And it will be me who will spill my blood for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now here in this passage, we see sort of an elementary form, an elementary question. What we see, what we will see later in more of eternal question for you and I. Is Jesus's healing, the forgiveness of sins for you, Enough. Is it enough? For these Gentiles, it wasn't enough. I'm sure they said, this healing is great, but don't touch our pigs again. (laughs) This healing is great, but don't touch our wallets again. And they sent Jesus away. Oftentimes in our own lives, we we look at Jesus and his love and grace. And we presume it for ourselves. 
but we forget that Jesus is more than enough. For those of you who think you're poor, you are just as rich as the richest person that you can think about in this world. For those of you who are rich, you are just as rich as the poor person who knows Christ as well. There is nothing that can compare to our God himself. Our knee-jerk reaction, I'm sure in many ways we can see this as a knee-jerk reaction. All of a sudden everything is gone. Remember the story of Job? When God says, Satan says to Job, right? The only reason that Job loves you is because he's rich. Let me take everything away. He won't love you anymore. It's a similar story. But for us who know Christ, having Christ is, is, is and always will be our wealth. Children, I know sometimes your mom and dad will say to you, right, that you need to study more, you need to become a doctor or a lawyer. I see all the older people say, yeah, that was my parents. Right? You need to be a doctor, you need to be a lawyer, you need to succeed in this life. Uh, here's a picture of who you need to be, what you need to be in order to, to have everything, right? Well, let me tell you this. They're not wrong but they're only right if they say it to you this way. Jesus is really all you need. And Jesus has gifted you with other things. Do your best. But know that you don't know where your life is going. We don't know where our life is going. God did not promise us, right, that we'll have lots of money. God did not promise us that we'll no longer corner office, but be able to work at home, you know, five days a week. God never promised us that. God could give you it. God could take it away according to his grace, according to his mercy. But there's one thing that Jesus will never take away, right? Think about this. There's only one thing that God has promised you that he will never, ever take away. That's himself. That's it. And this not having Christ in your life, the greatest gift that there can be. You have him for eternity. And we know that and through Romans and Galatians that even your own sins and even your own doubts cannot cast Jesus out. That Jesus' love for you is secured by him, not by you and your works. That even the doubts that you have are a gift from God that you belong to him. For surely those who do not know Jesus cannot doubt about the relationship with him. 
Surely those who are in a relationship with them cannot sense that they've sinned against him and, and know that only Jesus can forgive them. You see, let us be careful, brothers and sisters, with one another. We all will have knee-jerk reactions when something is taken away from us. But help each other to see Christ. Help each other to see Jesus. He is all that we have. That's why we're here to worship him. For he has given himself for us. As we go into this passage, we see the man in his right mind asking Jesus, can I come with you? Can I come with you? In a sense, can I be a disciple? Perhaps even he's even asking, can I be one of like your apostles, like James and John or Peter or Andrew or the, or the other people that you've called into your inner circle? Can I be like one of them? Can I just follow you and enjoy the fellowship and to learn? For you're the one who saved me. And Jesus says to them, says to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. In verse 20. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. We can look at this interaction in two ways. First is this. Is that Jesus himself has a plan for every person that he heals, every person that he saves. And this is true. Instead of allowing this man to interact, to stay with him and to walk with him, Jesus says to him, your job, your duty is to stay in this area and to simply share your testimony in all that God has done. And what did this man do? The man obeys. and discerns that this man, Jesus, and his wisdom and his charge is the best thing for him to do. So he shares the gospel, shares the good news. In many ways, what he's actually doing is he's preparing the land of the Decapolis, of the Gentiles, that when the fullness of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins comes to light and what Jesus has done, that the Gentiles and their hearts will be prepared to receive the fullness of Christ himself. You and I, we don't know where we will be or where God has us. 
all we know is that wherever God has us today, to be faithful in his word, to be faithful in sharing the good news of what God has done. That's all he asks us to do. You have been sent into your schools, into your workplaces. You have been sent into the society. Some of you are stuck in Atlanta, Georgia for a long time. I'm sorry, you're here. You might say, I don't, Atlanta's like the Decapolis for me. Let me go somewhere else. Let me go to New York City. Lord has you here. And say to God, God, let me prepare this place for you. For again, it doesn't matter where I am. It matters that I am with you and you are with me, O Lord. So college students, enjoy your college. I don't know if Emory was your first choice, your second choice, your last choice, your third choice. I, I don't know. All I know is that it was God's choice. Worship him there. Children, you might say, you know what? Why are my parents the way they are? I wish I had a different mom. You wouldn't say I wish I had a different mom or a different dad. But you would just say, why can't you be like someone else's mom? Why can't you be like their dad? You're more, they let me do more things. They have a phone. I don't have a phone yet. But say to God, God, thank you for my mom and dad. And thank you that this is the place that God has given me, the family that God has given me to walk with you. And then just this church, CCPC. I am always amazed that we have a church. Think about that. How is it that we started this church? How is it that we continue to gather together? How is it that we continue to grow in God's grace and love? It's it's an absolute miracle. It is not by our ability, but it's by God's grace itself. And so we might feel like we're flung out to the, the edges and Jesus is doing, and the apostles are doing exciting things together. We are here because God wants us here. Praise be to him. The second way of looking at this is a kingdom view. That Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus has this overarching plan of how the gospel will be preached and how people will be saved. He starts in Jerusalem, goes to Judah, Samaria. We haven't got, we we didn't get to go to that passage. And the Gentile area. We know in Acts chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit comes and tells the apostles that you must go and the gospel and the kingdom of God must go from Judah to Samaria to the ends of the earth. In many ways, Jesus is sort of showing and demonstrating to the people, this is the pattern. We're not here to bring everyone into Jerusalem. We're here to send people out to the farthest regions, that the gospel may go forth. Right? We know that Jesus is all that we need. 
let us run unencumbered. Parents and families who are here, yes, love your children well, but love them in such a way they see the pattern of Jesus in the family. For those of you who are still trying to figure out your careers and stuff, yes, try to figure that out, but but don't spend unnecessary space up here and in here worrying 24-7. And same for you college students. Don't procrastinate and just worry about your studies the whole time because you, you're just doing nothing anyways <laughs> until, you, until the exams come. But what the Lord wants us to do, if it's true that Jesus is all that we need, let us use our resources Yes, finances. Yes, the way we plan vacations. Yes, the, the things that we buy. And our time. Yes, how we use our time. How we recreate or not recreate. Let's use all of that so that the kingdom of God may increase. That the people out there may see that Jesus is indeed all they need as well. Children, you were very good today. I hope you understood some of what we, you heard. Ask your parents, mom, dad, were you listening? Is Jesus good? And even for you, I know this world because I know myself because I'm, I'm part of this world too. I like to hear things and then it goes out because something else comes in and pushes it out. It's hard for me nowadays to read books. I used to be a voracious reader of like, of like Russian literature. And I love Russian literature because it slowed my brain down. Okay. But nowadays, if I try to read something like that, it's just too, it feels too dense. Just give me a nice little blog to read and info in and info out. I urge you, whatever you learn today about who God is, share with one another and then say to each other, isn't our Jesus a wonderful Savior? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, just thank you that the way that you have moved, moved through history, the way you interact with people, oh Lord, there's so much depth to it. There's so many questions. There's so much moments of awe and adoration. Surely you are God himself. Surely as the demons have proclaimed, you are Jesus, the son of the most high God. And surely we who sit here today are worshiping that same God. 
But what these people did not see clearly, we see perfectly that you are the one who came to save the world of its sins. That we who sit here know that it is our sins that has set us apart from you. That we know, Lord, that you have given us the gift of faith and repentance. That we may see that we have broken your law. And that we, Lord, may be able to repent and to receive forgiveness and to receive the relationship of being known as your sons and your daughters, to be loved by you and to love other people in return. So, Lord God, just help our church continue to bring revival into each and every heart. Continue, Lord, to be faithful to your covenant amongst our families, Lord God. Give us joy in our children. Give us joy in the brothers and sisters we have in this church. And give us joy, Lord, in knowing that we are fighting for you, fighting for the gospel to be seen in us and to be made known in this dark world. In Christ's name we pray, amen.